The thing with Darren <laughs> is you got to let him just talk. <laughs> yeah, just like all you Southerners. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm not even a Southerner. I'm a Canadian, eh? And let Mac.com supporting the New Zealand Mac community. Evening, everyone. Welcome to nzmac.com podcast number 26. My name is David, and joining me via iPhone is Phil. Good evening. Wow, Phil, that sounds pretty good. And also on the line is Darren. How are you doing, Darren? Hi. How's things all going? So, Phil, you're using you're use. Tell us about you're using this new Skype application for the iPhone. So, how, like, talk a little bit, and we can hear how it sounds. Okay. Well, I installed it yesterday. I haven't had much of a play with it. Um, it is Wi-Fi only, so it, it seems a bit odd to be talking to you both from about <laughs> three meters away from my computer. <laughs> But um, for lazy people like me, I think it would be very handy. <laughs> are you using the um, iPhone headset or you just got the um, the unit up against your ear? Just up against my ear, so it's oh, just yeah. the, the microphone down the bottom. So how do we sound? Do we sound pretty good in it? You sound great. I was more worried about uh, the connectivity between wireless than anything. Wow. So am I a bit muffled, am I? Yeah. No, I, mean, I, I think that's that's to be expected from a um, a, a speaker that oh, sorry a microphone that's designed for phone calls. Um, cell phones um, microphones aren't exactly the flashiest things on the planet. So I mean, do you think? The, sorry, do you think the um, headset would be better? Uh, or the earphones, Darren? I've never actually used those for a call. Um, do you have them? No, could try it. Uh, well, I have to. I'd have to hang up, wouldn't I? No, you just plug it in. Well, okay. you should in theory. <laughs> Keep talking then, you guys. This is live radio. This is what happens. And, you know. It's all going to go to pot right about now. <laughs> this, I, can't, I just can't believe I can't use this with my touch, my first generation touch. That's just hugely disappointing. Yeah. Hugely uh, disappointing. I think you should be able to get away with it with the second gen because it allowed you to do a lot of um, uh, um, stuff with the iPhone headset. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh Skypey a little bit, but try again. You guys are a bit Skypey as well, so um, I don't know how useful it is. Oh, yeah, now that went downhill quite quite a bit, actually, at mind. Yeah, it doesn't, you sound a bit different. It still, still sounds slightly muffled, but, I mean, at the end of the day, if this is, this is, it's not bad quality, full stop, for a free application using mm. someone's, anyone's Wi-Fi, for example, and then basically talking to anybody. And the interesting thing is the uh, review I'll link to from Ars Technica does talk about the fact that after a while, even he found it tended to struggle and hanging up and starting again tended to make the calls suddenly become better again. Ah. So on on that application, can you use your Skype out minutes? I believe you can. I don't have any, but yes, you can. Wow. That's unbelievable. Like, is this the end? Like, what is? What do you think, Telecom? How do they feel about this? Do you think? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, the, I think the biggest problem, like, if you could get away with it on three G and all that, then that I think it'll be a bit cool. And I, I don't see Vodafone going, you know, trying to stop you from doing it. But um, at the same time, too, man, you're going to chew through your um, data plan pretty quick. So you really have to be somewhere where there's Wi-Fi, and chances are, if there's if you're around somewhere where there's Wi-Fi, then you've probably already got a um, a Skype connection anyway. So, so you your, can use it on your on on your Vodafone data plan. You can actually use Skype. 
Um, officially not, they say, but there are, there are people posting that they've managed to get it working, albeit uh, in the States, not that well. Well, I, I had a well, I didn't actually call anyone, but I mean, it all connected and all that. It didn't say, oh, you can't do it. Um, but yeah, I was just more concerned about the fact that it was going to chew through through the bandwidth. I mean, Vodafone's pretty expensive anyway on the data plan, so the last thing you want to do is throw a call at it. But I've always thought that, that Skype didn't really take a huge amount of bandwidth, that in theory it, it could work on a dial-up connection, but it's just the, the latency with dial-up and the unreliability of dial-up that prevents you from actually doing it. Isn't that right, or have I got that wrong? Um, well, I suppose you... I mean, you're still going to take some form of hit. I mean, um, you know, what do you... It's, I, I don't even know what the um, call quality is um, that it sends it through as or what even um, what format it is, yeah. but... Um, the, uh, the other interesting aspect is that Skype works... Um, I don't know the exact term, but it has peer-to-peer networking so that everyone on Skype at the moment is actually supporting every other Skype user right. through, their connect, through their connection. Yeah. Um, how does that work if you're on a, a mobile phone using Skype? Your mobile phone suddenly can't be helping other people. Yeah. Uh, well, it can because, I, I mean, I, I've got a Vodafone data card and, and you can pretty much do anything on the Vodafone data card as you can do on a um, standard Wi-Fi connection. Um, it's just going to be one of those things where depending on where you are in relation to the cell tower and whether or not that cell tower has um, HSDPA and all that sort of thing to allow, you know, reasonably um, consistent um, data throughput, uh, that's really the big thing in, in New Zealand at the moment. But is that the same sort of thing that's inside an iPhone? Yep. Oh, okay. Yep, it's all um, basically all wow. HSDPA. Wow. Okay, guys, well, I think I'm going to hang up because I'm feeling very silly talking to myself. <laughs> okay, Phil, I'll ring, I'll, I'll, ring you, I'll ring you back and then we can talk properly and get on with the okay, podcast. Okay, I'll, so. I'll, I'll switch off and I'll go and sit at the Macintosh and be like, with you in a few minutes. Sounds like a plan. Cheers. Yeah, that's actually kind of interesting because I think there's it, – it, it, it does uh, – I, I just wonder whether you know major tele, telcos are kind of looking at this going, geez, I mean – and I read somewhere recently that – Skype actually manages the vast majority of uh, of international calls. If if you look at if if you define a call as just being communication through some medium like the internet or you know via telephone satellite, Skype is responsible for the majority of it. Maybe, maybe I said vast majority. Maybe that not, might not be true. But I mean, yeah, I don't know about you, but I use Skype all the time for international stuff. To be honest, I I don't really have a lot of people that are on Skype. I, I wouldn't mind trying to get mum and dad onto it because then it makes it a little bit easier for us to communicate. Um, problem is their internet connection's at work, not at home. Um, oh. So, you know, when I'm going to be at home, they're going to be at home and no one's going to be able to really talk to each other sort of thing. So Yeah. Um, well, that's, that's the problem, isn't it? I mean, it, it, uh, it, my parents are the same way. I'm trying to get my father uh, to, to get a Mac, to get a proper iMac, and uh, that way he can, you know, we can chat on weekends and he can see his granddaughter and that kind of thing. And, but, mm. uh, I, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I think we've got Phil back. Are you there, Phil? Yeah, hi. How are you? Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, Excellent. That's a bit clearer. <laughs> <laughs> Much better. It seems sli- it's slightly funny that I feel more comfortable sitting talking to my computer with a headset than mm-hmm. I do... St- 
sitting with a mobile phone with uh, earphones plugged in. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay, well, let's kick things off with the uh, what have you been up to segment. Phil, do you want to kick us off? You've got some news, actually. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I just wanted to mention the Mac Heist bundle that's going at the moment at MacHeist.com. I think they've got about six days left. Uh, there's been a bit of discussion on the um, NZMac.com forum about it. Uh, some really impressive software. I'm quite keen to get my hands on one that hasn't been unlocked yet. A uh, product called um, Boinks TV, I think it is. What's that? Uh, yeah, I was looking forward to that too. Um, uh, um, it's basically your own uh, your own television broadcasting yeah. system, I would say. It does uh, lower thirds, if you know what that is, the little wee text titles that appear. Uh, it does green screen and all these sorts of things. Wow. Um, I'd, I'd recommend having a look on their website. And the amazing thing is it's about 200 US usually. Um, but I, I did hear on MacBreak Weekly today that it is an ad-supported version, so there's going to be ads of some sort popping up, but um, still a pretty impressive piece of software. I've been busy playing a new game that was in the bundle called World of Goo, which I won't even try and describe, but it's just brilliant. And, uh, uh, I hear a lot me about that. Yeah, yeah take, taking me away from a lot of study. Um, but the other other thing that I wanted to mention was uh, people may have noticed that the podcast uh, got a bit of publicity recently. We were featured on the iTunes store, uh, which was a very nice surprise, oh, really? and then uh, got an email from um, a chap who does a blog on PBS because he happened to be Googling for trying to find out how you become a featured podcast. And, so how uh, do you become a featured podcast? Uh, you don't. There isn't really. My response to him was it's a bit like trying to figure out how Google works. You've got a sort of idea as to what the process might be, but you'll never yes. know the true magic of it. Um, but the interesting thing I noticed just yesterday is if you go into the podcast sections on iTunes now, I think down the bottom right there are a number of links to things like, I think it's called I, iTunes Frequently Asked Questions, and they do have some criteria for what makes a featured podcast, and it is regular, regular updating, um, appropriate language based on the uh, setting. So we're um, we're a PG podcast, I hate to say, guys. So. Yeah, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and And other than that, you get no communication from Apple. I mean, they didn't email me and say, would you like to be, or congratulations or anything. It was purely the fact that I stumbled across it uh, while I was making some technical changes um, to the podcast that, that, that I discovered it. But the really ironic thing is that this chap wanted um, some statistical information from me, and because of all the chopping and changing, I'd, I'd been moving the podcasts around on the server they sit on. Uh, I wasn't able to give him those statistics because uh. basically about every hour over the weekend, I sort of reset the stats. And, and, and one thing I'll probably explain what I mean by that to people, a lot of people think that Apple host podcasts, and they don't. Mm. Um, all they do is basically have a directory that links to people's podcasts. Mm. So this podcast, when we say it's on iTunes, we mean it's listed. Um, it's up to me where the podcast files are stored, and they're not even stored on the nzmac.com server. They're, they're stored in a, an, another company that I, I discovered and use. 
Um, but they have fairly crude statistical information so that mm. each time I was uploading a new version of a podcast, it was resetting the stats. So don't think when you go to iTunes and you're loading a podcast that Apple have officially sanctioned it and they're hosting all the files. They're, they're not doing that at all. Mm. What I found interesting the other day, I, was, I thought, uh, you know how like you go into the iPhone, you got the top tens and all that. Well, I went through the podcasts and the technology podcasts in particular just to see exactly where we're at. Apparently we're 32 in the list, so that's not too bad considering. Is that New Zealand or is that global? Well, it's on the New Zealand iTunes. I don't okay. know if that comes in as global, but um, obviously there's a few people in New Zealand um, listening to us. That's the, the I've actually become a bit obsessed with it now, so I start looking daily just after I publish. <laughs> and, and, and we do actually bounce around. The other day in the global technology listing for iTunes New Zealand, we were at number four for a day. Gee whiz. Wow. Um, and the really interesting one, it's, I'm glad you mentioned the iPhone, is that on the iPhone, the podcast has a rating. Somebody has rated it, yet on iTunes, that rating doesn't show up. Really? Yeah, and I couldn't even go into the review, so... Um, oh, it, it just had a star rating, and I just yeah. thought, oh, and then went to iTunes to check, and it wasn't there, so I'm not quite sure how all that works. What What was the rating, Phil? Was it a good rating? It, it was good? very good. Oh, um, good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, either four and a half or five out of five. So. Wow. That's yep. good to hear. Yep. And it huh. wasn't me. It wasn't me, by the way. I didn't, I, I didn't kind of, self-rate. It's kind of like Wikipedia. We're not, we shouldn't be going in and re- rating our own podcast. No, right? no. But... <laughs> Anyone listening, we'd love you to rate it because uh, we're obviously obsessed with where we are on the list and what the ratings are. Wow, that's interesting. Cool. Okay, Darren, what have you been up to? Um, well, l- lately I've been playing um, Red Alert 3 on the Mac. Um, What's that? Uh, Command & Conquer. Oh. Um, it's, it's one of the offshoot games, and man, is it cool. Um, I've always sort of liked Red Alert, but um, I'll probably actually talk a little bit more about it later because um, that was one of my picks. Mm. Um, but aside from that, it, it's I've also been doing a little bit more testing. They've just released another version of Flux, um, the web editor that I mentioned a couple of podcasts ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're starting to get uh, the, the version 2 of the application um, a lot better, a lot easier to use and all that. And it's, it's a really great web editor. It's um, it's more powerful than iWeb, um, but it's easier to use than Coda. Um, so you've got like code editing and all that, but it, it's all basically you design everything as opposed to like Rapid Weaver and iWeb and um, Sandbox and all that, where you're limited kind of to the themes and all that that are there. Um, oh. So that that's really coming along. It's looking to be quite a good version. They're not there yet. There's still quite a way to go, but they're releasing rapid updates. Um, you know, probably once every week or two, um, which hmm. is great because I think there's only like a couple of coders doing it. So, oh wow, that's, um, that's pretty. That's dedication for you, isn't it? Mm, yeah, and it, it's good too. Like the other thing too, there was a post on the forum that said that. Um, uh, you know, they basically attacked the – because they were doing everything in beta, they were documenting everything um, mm. as they were going along. So they're actually writing the documentation from the perspective of a user, and um, that's sort of always been a bugbear of mine that, you know, many people writing 
programs and all that, when they write the documentation, it, it it's just not from the user's perspective. It's from the developer's perspective. Yeah, they're so close to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's sort of what I um, got at with my FileMaker review. You know, the documentation just wasn't mm. um, very user-friendly. Um, so that, that's always been a bugbear of mine, um, and I usually tend to write my own documentation to mm. give to others if I'm doing that. So, um, But, yeah, that, that's basically what I've been doing, just playing around with a bit of software. That's cool. Have you guys ever bought anything from the Apple Refurb store? No. Yes. Yep. It is. Is it not fantastic? I mean, I I just bought uh, for my wife because she has a. It's a first generation. I'm not even sure if we called them generations back then, but it was one of the original um, uh, iPod Minis. You know, the little ones that actually mm-hmm. had a six gig hard drive in them. So if you shake it, you can hear it kind of moving. Um, <laughs> I bought her because she got really tired because she listens to a particular Lost podcast. Podcast about. Um, the TV show Lost, which I don't get, by the way. And um, she couldn't fast forward through it, so she would. She was getting pretty angry at it. And I said, well, listen, why don't we just get you a new iPod? And uh, I went into the refurb store and picked up one of the, you know, the little fatties, the little fat nanos, the little mm. ones? Yep. Is that a third generation, I think it is? Um, four gig refurb for $130, delivered right from Sydney. And... Um, it's it's fantastic. In fact, I was having her on because it arrived just this past Monday, and uh, I was having her on over dinner, and I said, okay, I've got it all set up for you, so the, the photos will be syncing on my computer, your podcast will be syncing on that eMac that I bought because I finally got wireless working so you can download your silly lost, sorry, your lost podcasts. And I said, <laughs> as she was eating, I said, uh, and don't worry, I said, the little bit of earwax that was on the on the earbuds, I'll clean that off for you. <laughs> Do you know the really sad thing is that you've just used exactly the same joke I used with my father when I explained what his refurbed um, iPod shuffle was. I said, I said, it's secondhand. Everything has been used before. I said, but I'm sure the earwax has probably been removed from the um, earbuds. Absolutely awesome, yeah. yeah. And it, it um, is just a joke, though. It is just because it arrived and it was in pristine condition. Like, it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. amazing. The um, First of all, there's nothing wrong with Lost, and if your wife can explain it to me, I'd love to know. Lost, um, yeah. But, I, yeah, I bought Dad. I wasn't sure if Dad would actually like a, an iPod, so I bought an iPod Shuffle. And I am going to do a shameless plug for once that if you do go via NZ Mac mm. by clicking on an Apple ad to the Apple Store and do it by a refurb, we, I do get commission there as well. Um, and I bought him a um, Shuffle. Um, and here's a really interesting thing that, that Darren sort of touched on about the user perspective. I started showing him how to set up his shuffle, and the first thing I said he was going to have to do was import all his classical CDs. Oh. And so I opened up iTunes, and I did one CD, and then I said, look, um, I'll leave the CDs with you. And about uh, three or four days later, I popped back around to mum and dad's, and um, the CDs were still sitting there. And I said to Dad, I said, you know, you're, you're meant to be importing them into iTunes. And he, he just looked at me and said, I only listen to one CD at a time. <laughs> well, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it does. But I, you know, it, I had really badly explained the fact that this thing about the size of a matchbox, a matchbox could hold every single CD that he had in that pile. Mm. Yeah, it's, sometimes, it's quite interesting with older people. You know, you get some that are like, really switch on like my dad uh, okay I'm, I'm having said that my dad's an engineer so he tends to pick things up pretty easy um but he went out bought a um a, an ipod uh, i think he got the 80 gig one 
and he he's just loving it, you know. He doesn't listen to a lot of music, so um, why he chose the 80 gig, I don't know. He would have mm. easily gotten away with a four, uh, four or five gig one, but um, he, he he just picked it up quite quite quickly. And I, I remember um, it was actually an Acer customer of ours, and I went out to site, and um, this guy, he, he was you know, well into his 70s, probably even pushing 80. But um, he had his stereo, uh, sorry, not his stereo, um, his record player connected up through the um, audio in interface on the PC and he was recording the, them um, basically into, well, it was Windows Media at the time. But um, just you get some that are, some old guys that are really into new stuff and want to learn things. Yeah. And then you've got the the traditional old old guy that just you know it's new technology, so I don't want to learn it sort of thing, um, which you know it, it, it's kind of interesting when you um, sort of look at the variances between um, the 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 age groups, um, you know wh- how different um, the the perspectives on technology and all that are. Mm. Uh, give me cassette tapes any day. I miss those yeah. days. Remember how we used to kind of look for it? We used to think, ooh, is this is this record good enough to record onto a metal cassette? Remember mm. the metal? Yeah. Oh, metal, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, these are those are pretty expensive. And is this is this record any good? I mean, listen, Boney M only goes so far. I mean. <laughs> just, just going back to the refurbs, we should, because we were joking, and I know David's clarified, but the, 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 all the iPods and the Macs that they sell that are refurbs, that they come back to Apple, they're tested, yeah. um, mm. cleaned up, uh, well, not that they're dirty, but they also usually, I mean, I'm just having a look here to check, and that the iPods all come with a one-year warranty. About yeah. the, only th- the earbuds are new, about the only thing that was really different um, was the box that it came in was um, slightly plain, but other than that, I uh, could have lied to Dad and put it in different wrapping and told him it was brand new. But um, I, I think it's a, I think this is a I think the refurb store is a gem. And I know talking to my friend Jeff in in Canada, um, I'm always jealous because he kind of looks in his refurb store and they've got all kinds of things for sale. And well, the other interesting thing. Sorry, the other interesting thing here is uh, I notice it's got refurb Macs and iPods, but then further down, and it's got clearance, which it always has. Yep. Now there seems to be another box that says previous generation iMac models. Oh, really? That's new. Yeah. yeah. Huh. So, Did you hear um, that they um, they might be releasing a 17-inch iMac for education? Yeah, I heard something about that. I heard it's already available in the U.S. Yeah, something like that, eh? That- that would be quite interesting because uh, I guess really the last educational Mac that was out there was the the eMac, um, but that sort of fell by the wayside when Apple ditched all the CRTs, yeah. mm. which I think was a great move, but um, that sort of left a big gap between, you know, now you've got basically all these big grunty machines that schools are never really going to use the power of, yeah. and so now they've finally got something that sort of fills that gap, which I think is quite good. It would be quite interesting to see whether or not that will make an impact on um, getting Max back into the school. Mm. Um, just to clarify, that link that said previous models takes you to the same page that the clearance link does, oh, okay. and and they have uh, the two versions of the uh, former time capsule and and the IMAX, and it says buy new and unopened previous generation Apple products. How uh, much so are those time capsules going for, Phil? Uh, Four ninety eight NZ and eight hundred NZ. Gee, that's 
kind of tempting. So for five hundred, you'll get is that that's the five hundred gig, presumably, right? Yes. Yeah. So for five hundred dollars, yeah. you get basically one dollar per gig, plus you're getting a router. Mm. Yes. Of course, yeah. I'm, having said that though, like because that that eight hundred dollar one would be the terabyte one. No. If you're going to spend yeah. eight hundred on that, you might as well spend the extra couple of hundred and go for the thousand dollar terabyte. Uh, now, I mean, that, the five hundred one's a good idea, but yeah. um, you know, if you're going to be spending almost a grand anyway, you might as well just spend a grand and mm. and get yeah, one yeah. that's actually capable of handling all networks without um, loss of speed. Yeah, yeah. D- David, you just said something that I don't think is correct. You said you get a router, and and this isn't. Am I right, Darren? It's a time. No, capsule. no, it is a router. It's definitely a router. Time capsules are routers. Oh, sure. okay. No, yeah. sorry. I'm using the wrong term um, because there was a forum post about somebody who had purchased. It's not a broadband modem. That's right. No, yeah, it, that's it's right. not a modem. You have to have the modem into it. But mm. ba- basically what a router does is it, is it sort of bridges two networks. Um, sure. It allows it, – well, it, it does what its name suggests. It routes traffic from one network out through another network, in this case the internet. So mm. um, That's interesting. I mean, that's how, I mean, I mean if – Hmm. If I, I mean, I don't need a, I don't need a router, and I, 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 but I do. I am kind of in the market for another external hard drive. But um, I don't know. That's that's kind of interesting. I, I'm still having the whole issue about how do I want to do my backups, which I know I, I got a lot of people annoyed with being fussy about what I wanted to do. Um, <laughs> I'm actually still using uh, uh, Roxio Toast at the moment uh, wow. here at home. Um, I back up a couple of DVDs a month, take those to work, but time capture would appeal. I still just have this absolute fear that um, you know someone will come into the house and not only pinch the Mac, but pinch the time capsule as well. What you could do, um, sounds like really what you would want would be, like I, I went out and um, it was at, uh, where was it, where was it, was it Magnum Mac, um, a unit called Data Whale, and what it allows you to do is hook up two um, hard drives within an enclosure, mm. but the hard drives are actually removable. So you could hook this up, um, plug it into the USB storage of the um, the route, uh, the 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 airport, and then just use that over the network. Yeah. What what I really want, Darren, is a Drobo, but they haven't come to New Zealand yet. Um, yeah. How much will they be when they do, though? Uh, horrendous, I would say. But I don't know if you know about those, Darren. Um, Drobo.com, um, they're mentioned on a few podcasts. They are yeah, very sort of impressive. I've heard the name, but I've not really... It's of... the same concept as what you talked about. It's basically a little wee cabinet that you can slot multiple drives into, and you can easily pop one out whenever you want and take that away, and it just automatically compensates on the fly because it basically has two versions of your data spread yep. across these disks. They seem pretty popular. Yes, yeah, particularly because, you know, as you buy newer models, you can put in a new drive and it can handle up to about eight terabytes, I think. Not that I have that much data. iOmega used to have a really cool device. Um, basically, it had uh, portable hard drives and you Remember the old days of the zip disk and the jazz disk? Oh, and yeah. That sort of thing? Yep. I've got one sitting right behind me. Oh, have you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. um, yeah, well, they, they made this other one that was actually a physical hard drive. And oh, I remember hearing you that. just 
ejected the disk and stuck in another one, so you could actually use like these physical hard drives. But um, the the problem is, iOmega have really cool ideas for storage, and then they go and screw themselves by making the price so exorbitant that no one goes out and buys them. Um, you know, it was the mm-hmm. way with the Jazz drive. You know, you had it was the first removable uh, storage device that had um, one gig. Um, so that, you know, that was a, a fantastic, um, hmm. tool and then, but it, it cost you like three or four hundred dollars just for a disc. It, it was meant to be the, um, sequel to zip drives, which were incredibly popular and yeah. you're, yeah. you're right. They, they, they price themselves out of the market. Yeah. And it, it's kind of, kind of stupid really. Now basically I am eager. Well, I don't even think they're still going. Are they? Yeah, they still, uh, they have hard drives actually. Yeah. Yep. Do they? Oh, yeah, I know yep. you're right. They do mm. too. Yeah. Just little portable ones, mm. but nothing yeah. is, you know, they, they basically just put themselves into the same market as everyone else. So now they're just basically overpriced, um, hard drives. So, you know, <laughs> They're, they're not really doing themselves any favor, despite the fact that they used to have some really awesome technology. Storage is just coming down. I mean, it's just it's incredible yeah. what you can get for the money now. And I still stand by my backup strategy, which I think I've explained here in a, on a different episode. One computer, I think three, three or four, three, uh, three external hard drives, um, and of which one is always in another location. So. Um, it's multiple redundancy and offsite, so it, it it just I I can sleep well at night, usually. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I may have a look at this data whale that um Darren's just recommended. It sounds quite promising. So what else well, is there in the news? I mean, what? Oh, sorry, no. Darren, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that the data whale is just an external um casing. You got to buy the drives yourself, but you can put any drive you want. And those are cheap. The, be- the beauty of it, um, you, you're looking about three hundred. And fifty dollars, I think it was, but um, it's got FireWire eight hundred as well as USB two. Um, so I'm using the FireWire eight hundred, and man, does it make a difference with video editing? It's just, yeah. How do you, um, how do you spell that, Darren? Is it Data Whale? Uh, yeah, whale is in the, um, the C mammal. <laughs> <laughs> That's very quick thinking. So Data Data Whale. Yeah. Um, and look it, at yeah. That. They're, they're around. There's a number of versions of it. This one's just the the thing, uh, the two drive one. But um, the great thing about it too is if you've got two drives of the same um, uh, same size, mm. then what you can do is you can set up RAID and you can also set up mirroring. So you've got redundancies and all that of of your data. I mean, basically, if you're going to mirror, you're gonna you're not going to get say if you stuck two. Four, uh, two two gig drives in there. You're not going to get, um, well, not two gig, two terabyte drives. Yeah. Um, you're not going to get four terabytes under mirroring. You're going to get um, yeah. two terabytes. That's right. But yeah. you've got yeah. redundancy. Um, but the the way I've got mine set up, I've got a 250 gig, and I've also got a 160 gig. So I've just set it to uh, a mode that's um, called JBOD or just a box of disks. Um, so it basically acts as um, as I've got two hard drives connected, although there's only one connection. Darren, if I bought one and I put a disk in and I told Time Machine to back up to it, yep. could I then say in a couple of weeks, think, right, I'm done with that and I shut everything down, I pull that disk out and take it to work, put a new disk in and, and I know I'd have to begin again, 
after that stage, if I'm bringing, say, once a month the old disc back, is Time Machine going to have a hissy fit, do you think? Because it would be effectively, I'd be putting in a disc and it would be going, whoa, hold on, I haven't dealt with this disc for over a month. I, uh, to be honest, that, that's a very good question. I, I wouldn't have a clue. I, I wouldn't expect it to. Um, I, th- I would have expected it just to say, oh, I've got the disc in there, and it, or it's a bit of out of date, so I'll just overwrite the data that's there. Um, it may throw up a warning, say, you know, this hasn't been backed up to for a while, do you want to do so? But I, I wouldn't expect it to spit the dummy and, and cause a world of issues. Yeah, um, I mean, I I should probably do what you're doing. I just want to use Time Machine because it looks so cool and I can show it to people. Well, I, I don't even use Time Machine. I, I I've just got them set up as as drives so that um, yeah. I have a problem. The other problem with Time Machine is I use Entourage as my email client, and and Time Machine considers that as one file. So every time an email comes in, it will try and back up the entire email yeah. application. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Because Microsoft uses a database as opposed to email messages, mm. um, and and yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know why Microsoft does that. They they think it's a good idea, but it's never a good idea. Um, I mean, only look at the registry in Windows to realise that having a database um, for controlling everything is is a really stupid idea. Mm. Um, and that's probably one of the reasons why Apple sort of ditched that idea of the database as a as a file system. Where did you get your data whale? Because I'm looking around and I can't find it. I got mine from uh, Magnum Mac. They just had it on the shelf there. Um, okay. I guess it had been sitting there for a wee while, but... Um, <laughs> Bit of dust on it, was there? <laughs> I, I, I saw something similar in a Dick Smith um, brochure, but it, was, it, it, it wasn't more an enclosure. It was kind of like two sockets that you plugged a hard yeah. drive into upright, and it looked pretty horrendous, but... Um, if it's an enclosure, I'd probably be more inclined to go for something like that. Yeah, our IT guys have those kind of things. And there's one a friend of mine told me about that's kind of like a toaster. Mm. Yeah, and you just plop it in. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so what else has been in the news? What else has um, been happening? Uh, we have for an SDK. Oh, yeah. 3.0.1 now or something. They've updated yep. re- um, a couple of days ago. Yeah, they re- they reckon um, 3.0 is going to be released in another couple of months, so that's going to be pretty cool. Um, be interesting to see. There, I mean, there's some really cool stuff on there that um, uh, that I'm really looking forward to. The big one for me would be note synchronization. Um, then you'd be able to just use um, mail to synchronize uh, set up. Well, I, I guess it goes to mail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did I, I'm not sure if I mentioned this, but I, I think I may have mentioned it to Phil privately, but I am, I'm I'm going to be buying the next version of the iPhone. I mean, all the rumors we've probably all heard that there is going to be a new a new rev of the hardware in June, I think it is. So a new a new iPhone in June. And if they do that, I'll be there. I think I'm going to finally take the plunge because I've been using my little iPod Touch quite a bit for mail, um, for surfing the internet, although my eyes get a little tired after using Safari, mobile Safari for a while. But it's fantastic. If I'm floating around the university, I can just you know quickly check my email. If I'm in a very boring meeting, which I'm often in, um, I can just check my email really quickly. And I'm thinking, if this was also my phone, I mean, I'd be set. So I'm mm. I'm 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 convinced. Yeah, mm. I, I I agree with that sentiment. That was the reason I went for the iPhone. Um, I mean, I, I often tell people, you know, the iPhone's the phone I've been holding out ten years for. Um, <laughs> I, I remember my first cell phone and my first. Palm Pilot, and I'm thinking, man, this would be so cool if you could 
merge it together had a decent ability to synchronize all your every bit of data that you want with your machine um you know and have a nice user interface because the palms had a really good user interface yep. um i thought man if they made it um, into a phone it'll be cool and then the palm phones came out and it was like man what did you do you know you sort of broke the idea um, and then the iPhone came out and it's man this is it this is what I've been holding out for for so long and um, I, I don't know if there's going to be massive as changes with the iPhone I mean there's only so far you can go with cell technology at the moment um, no one's really got the back end for 4G um, certainly not here in New Zealand um, and Definitely not in the states because they're only just rolling out 3G. Um, I think but, one of the biggest the biggest problem facing all mobile devices right now is battery life. Yeah, it really is. I mean, my that. my little my little touch. If I'm cranking away on on wireless, um, I I don't get much battery life out of it at all. It's interesting listening to MacBreak Weekly because Leo Laporte constantly puts down, um, and I think he's justified from what others say, that the latest version, which is 2.2.1, he he says that the .1 update seriously deteriorated the ability for the iPhone to hold a charge. Hmm. So he he actually says, you know, if you've got 2.2, don't apply the little wee update. So it's interesting that that the operating system can impact it so much. Um, and even just reading the, um, the Ars Technica review on the, uh, the, on the Skype app, they talked about the amount of heat that the phone started to put out and that it was possibly um, you know, putting a bit of a strain on the battery after a while. Oh, really? So it's interesting how applications can um, impact the performance of the phone so much. And that, that's one of the reasons um, why Apple has limited um, a lot of uh, the applications and all that that can be put onto the iPhone. You know, people keep hounding them saying, oh, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? But you've got to work out and streamline the operating system. Otherwise, you're just going to end up like what all the Nokia phones and all, um, all the Sony Ericsson phones and all that are. You know, when you're not using it, they're fine. But when you start using all the applications, which are generally Java or Flash or something like that, the battery just, you know, you might as well kiss that goodbye. But mm-hmm. I, I have to say, though, like I, I'm on 2.2.1. I, I'm listening all day to music. I'm making phone calls. Um, I'm surfing the net on 3G, which is actually worse than iPhone uh, than Wi-Fi, sorry. Um, and, yeah, I'm I'm getting... Easier uh, a full day out of a single charge. Um, yeah, I, I I haven't noticed the things that that he's um he's yeah. talked about as well. That, going... That's one of the problems with people complaining is that you know it might be on their machine, but it's not necessarily an issue with everyone's machine. So you sort of no. Um, Andy Anatko today was talking about a backup problem, and it, he he's finally admitted that it must be purely related to his phone and no one else's because he's had no one else agree with him that it's an issue. Um, that he has in, in syncing and backing up. But going back to your comment about the sort of performance, and I guess the thing that surprised me the most about the um, the beta announcement was how many of the APIs that they have opened up, um, over yeah. a 1,000 of them. Yep. And, and, and I put a blog post there. I think some of the ones I've done just in terms of improving usability is going to be superb, but I was really surprised to see how much they opened up access to things such as the Bluetooth technology or the ability to, um, I, I mean, you, I don't know 
what the plug of the slot at the bottom of it's called the charger slot is what I call it. But um, dock connector. Thank you. Um, the, <laughs> the, the the I can see quite easily that someone's going to produce a microphone that will plug slate uh, straight into that slot because they've given mm. access to the APIs to do that sort of thing. Yeah, and, I, I would say ones like Griffin and all that who already have that technology out there. Uh, I mean, they'll they'll bring it out big time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I. I saw that and I thought, great, we're going to get Dave as a roving reporter going around with a microphone plugged into his his new iPhone that he purchases on <laughs> to try it out and interviewing lots of Mac users for us. That, that, that was quite an interesting announcement. And when that lady showed the diabetes um, application... Yeah, that was cool. That As soon as she I, I saw that, I thought, man, the next iteration of that... Um, uh, Hardware is going to be just a little dongle that plugs into the um, the bottom of the, of the iPhone. Everything's all run through there. The software is already on the iPhone. Um, so basically, all you need is a needle that measures all the the data. So now you're going to have a a, a device that you don't have to carry around a great big. Because I mean, one of the guys we had he um, uh, had working for us. He had diabetes, and just looking at the device that he had, you know, it was quite a bulky sort of a unit. So instead of having, like, that and the iPhone, I I can see them making, like, a little dongle that just plugs into the iPhone, and then that's it, Mm. you know? And it's all powered through the iPhone, through the uh, battery of the iPhone and all that. So I I can see a lot of cool technology is going to come out now, and and the iPhone's now not going to be a limited device. Yeah. And it's really going to show up all the cell phones and all the smartphones and all that that are out there currently. Yeah, I I agree. That's interesting. Hmm. It's interesting because there was an article a while back about a chap that has just quietly left Apple and he was um, head of the iPod division and he really pushed for the uh, the iPhone to have the iPod, um, well, operating system, if you could call it that, as, oppo- as opposed to OS ten on it. And um, just what a brilliant move Apple did not to go in that direction because of all the functionality that having that operating system on the phone now will bring. That, that would have limited um, the usability if, if they had Absolutely. gone for the iPhone, yeah. uh, sorry, the iPod stuff. But yeah. um, I, I, I don't think Apple's told us everything about OS 3.0, so mm. there's obviously going to be some surprises on the day, and I wonder if you guys had any suggestions as to what they might be. I'm possibly thinking that maybe they will release some form of video capture or recording via the camera. I did hear something that Apple said we're, we're looking towards it. I, I know it's fully capable. I've, I've seen um, one of the guys at work has a um, jailbroken first-gen iPhone, and he, he was taking video, and it, it was actually quite good. It was pretty well on par with a lot of the digital cameras out there that take video. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, it, it, and, and that was the first gen. The, the second gen is actually a better camera anyway. Wow. Um, lets in more light and images a lot better. So um, the, the iPhone can handle it, but apparently the biggest issue at the moment is um, getting the data quick enough to the flash um, mm. to the, mm. the drive itself. Um, and I, that, speed, that was yeah. always going to be, you know, you, you're going to have to sort of do a lot of trickery to, to get that going um, on a, a drive that isn't really, well, it's, it's not solid state, it's flash RAM, which is quite slow right anyway. Mm. Um, 
One of the applications I'm hoping Apple does bring out is a a mobile version of iWork. Um, You know, you've got documents to go coming along. I could see Apple bringing out their version, and I hope they do. Hmm. I just hope for better battery life, and I'll be happy. (laughs) I can even live without 32 gigs because my touch is 32 gigs, and there's no music on it because the sound quality of... Most iPods that I've ever listened to in my life, in fact, every iPod is pretty lousy, so I don't even bother putting music on it. So I'm starting to wonder why I got 32 gig. <laughs> so I'll live with even a, a 16 a 16 gig new version iPhone that has better battery life. Um, and I'm not sure what other features because I don't have a, I don't have a first or second generation to compare it to. But as long as it does everything I want it to do, I'll be happy. The, the so, big problem with battery life is is not software and um it's really down to the hardware 3g will always chew your battery life um it's always been that way it's getting better but you know it's really down to the chip manufacturers to to do that um and same with bluetooth bluetooth is a hog on your um your battery and all that so i mean if you haven't got all the wi-fi and 3g and all that turned on battery life is not going to be an issue um hmm so, del- so, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, well, partly a new news item, but related to this, do you guys think we'll see this an- announced or released at the Worldwide Developers Conference, yeah, which is uh, in e- early June? Yeah. Um, Speculation for Snow Leopard at the moment seems to be that it'll come out in September. So Yeah, I read that. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I think, uh, yeah, I think clarification of what the iPhone um, development tools will be at WWDC, um, which I, th- I think it, it makes sense to release the um, information on the developer kit before you release the operating system so that you know how to program for it properly and all that. Because um, remember, it's only a beta, so it's not going to be full. Um, uh, you're not going to be able to see everything. Um, I think, yeah... I wouldn't be surprised if they release 3.0 at the same time as they release Snow Leopard. So September? Um, yeah. Really? Because they not before. Yeah, because they were saying they were saying I three three for the iPhone uh, is going to be June, but like like you, Phil, I heard just like within the last 48 hours that the timeline for Snow Leopard was kind of accidentally leaked. Oops, what, and it yeah. might be coming out in September, as you say. When you say they, you're talking about rumor sites. You're not talking about Apple, though, are oh, you? Oh, yeah, Those absolutely, are, yeah, yeah. yeah. Rumor sites, and, yeah. Well, um, Scott, I, my, I keep harking back to MacBreak Weekly because I do enjoy it, but Scott Bourne has consistently reminded them that June is the anniversary yeah. of the iPhone, both the initial launch and the second version. And so he says, you know, if he was a betting man, then it seems almost blindingly obvious that on its... Um, was it second or third birthday or the third anniversary that that's when the new phone might be announced and interestingly i listened today and they they talked about it's quite funny they talked about um some business guy who had decided that there was going to be two versions of the iphone but he gave absolutely no evidence as to why there would be a cheaper version a Mm. business analyst had had just decided Ah. that this Business analysts are a bit. Uh, you take everything they say a grain of with a grain of salt. I don't see any reason why you would. I mean, if you were going to bring out a, a cheaper one, well, there's, there's not really any reason that you would bring out a cheaper phone. I mean, 
you know, the the iPhone itself, um, even when you buy it without a contract, is actually still cheaper than a lot of these so-called smartphones and all that out there. Um, I I think it's reasonably well priced for what it is. Um, Actually, I think think these business analysts take a punt, and if if they end up being right, they get to say, "Hey, look, I told you so." But I don't. This guy didn't produce any evidence whatsoever. I'm I'm on prepay right now with Vodafone. Can I use my prepay SIM with the new iPhone that I get? Yep. Yes. Really. Yeah, well, they've actually, I think Vodafone's actually officially come out and said you can put them on prepay. I don't think yes, you can. Yes, no, they, um, they previously, um, I, I was not impressed that their frequently asked questions actually stated uh, that uh, there would never be an option for prepay, and they've now yeah. wor- changed the wording of that. The strange thing was, never wasn't the first term they used. It just said it wasn't an option at this point in time. And then they hardened up that sentence and basically said there will never be an option. And now they've basically made it available. So I mean, that's, it, okay. you, you yeah. could always use the iPhone on the prepay anyway. Yeah, it's uh, exactly what I did. I, uh, yeah. But, I mean, I wasn't prepared to commit to a plan. But, I mean, I ended up having to pay $1,100, uh, the full price, in order to be able to do that. Mm. So that's my trade-off then. In other words, if I, I can pay... I can pay twenty, thirty dollars, maybe forty dollars a month for twenty-four months or something like that, or I can drop eleven hundred dollars. And yes. um, yep. see, so being the geek, I would, of course, I would calculate um, using net present value and all that kind of thing, and, and you know, future value. And I would, I would try to calculate what my money's going to be worth in a couple of years' time and decide whether it's a good thing. And I'd probably just go and say, no, I'll just thanks. I'll yeah. just, uh, it's worth more to me to invest that little bit of money, forty dollars a month. That was partly what I did, and embarrassingly, I was at a friend's one day and talking about this and whether I should get one, and he just looked at me and he said, hold on, you've got a website about iPhones. Can't you claim this as a business expense? (laughs) (laughs) And I went, looked at him and said, oh, my God, yes, I can. Uh, So that's why I went and purchased. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've always been on a plan. I've been with Vodafone since they were Bell Self, so that's gone. I think I joined up in 98. So I just, uh, I was up for renewal of contract, and I thought, oh, stuff it, you know. Go out and bought it on the contract, paid, I think it was about 700 bucks for it, and um, another two years. I mean, another two years is nothing to me, so. Mm. um, Do you think they'll offer a sort of um, swap option? So you can trade up your hardware, Darren. When when a new, let's, I mean, let's just assume that there's going to be a new iPhone. Um, do you think Vodafone will offer an option for people on contract? I don't know. I can't think of any times where they have actually done that, to be honest. But no. um, the, I don't know. Maybe maybe they would. Maybe they because I think they do sort of do um, like recycled phones and all that so I'd, um, I'd buy one of I'd buy a recycled second gen absolutely oh, oh in that case David we shouldn't be arranging this on the podcast <laughs> but talk to me um, because I'm sitting here mulling over the fact you know I've just got this thing and a new one's going to come along and I think I want the new one what do I do with my old one hmm I'd I'd probably hold out and just see exactly what hardware is going to be in it. Yeah, um, I'll have to make. The only right. thing I could think of it really being would be extra hardware. Ah, yeah. sorry, hard drive. I'll um, talk to you in June, David. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> we'll, we'll 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 chat. We'll chat. <laughs> so, do you guys see the other news item that um, you know? Obviously, Obama's over in um, in London for the G20. 
he gave a gift to the queen. You know what the gift was? Uh, the iPod or something on it. Yep, with photos of when she visited Virginia or something like that, and the latest album from Metallica. No, I'm just kidding. No, it wasn't. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. She might fun. be into that. She seems to be into a lot of things. <laughs> I, I I read it and I thought, I wonder if he put the Sex Pistols' "God Save the Queen" on it. Awesome. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> wonder if she knew what that was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's very nice. Thank you, Barack. Yeah. <laughs> what else has been in the news? She, she probably said, thank goodness I can finally get rid of my Zoom. Ooh, <laughs> low blow. Blow the belt. Harsh but fair. Yeah. <laughs> what uh, else, the has, only, what else uh, has been in the news? The only other news, really, I guess, is all the updates that came out. And um, oh, yeah. I, I just installed. I didn't really do anything more. But some people on the net started investigating, but I didn't spend too much time reading about what they discovered. What are these? These are the updates to iWork and iMovie. Ooh, yeah. I better not mention iMovie. You two will start. Yeah, no, yeah the no timeline uh, adjustments, but um, <laughs> but somebody easy, went easy. into, um, I think, iPhoto and analyzed the update to find out what had changed. I can't, I can't, I couldn't find the article tonight. Yeah. yeah. But um, Darren, have you noticed anything different? Uh, to be honest, I got as far as installing them, and I haven't really had the time to actually oh, see oh, what's actually, in there. I, I've just realized there is one that will upset you, and it is believed to be a fault, that the iWeb 301 update, instead of just uploading, this is what I read a couple of days ago, instead of just uploading any revisions you've made, will now upload your entire site. Ooh. Yeah, but hang on, I'll let you know in a sec. <laughs> uh, so there's been complaints about that. and they, This is the baiting Darren segment of the podcast. Yeah, um, yeah, this is um, something that I read somewhere that is off- obviously a glitch in the 301 update. Wow. Yeah, you're right, happy with that. Let's have a look. Well, while now, you're doing that, why don't we why don't we move into picks a little bit? Now, I'm just looking at the time here, and we're sitting at... Uh, about 53 minutes or 51 minutes or something like that. How many picks do we want to do each? I've got two. How many have you got, Phil? Um, three, but really two, because two are just the same that I'll mention quickly. Okay, why don't you go ahead? You can start us off. Picks. Okay. Um, but the first one I wanted to, well, the first two I wanted to talk about are for people who are doing things like Darren, who's uploading his entire website at the moment. And, um, <laughs> no, prob- it's finished. Oh, yeah. I only did one post. So okay. I think it's another one of those problems where it's only going to affect a few people. Oh, oh okay. okay. Hmm. Um, I'm often downloading things and I don't want my website, uh, my Mac to go to sleep. So there are a couple of programs. One that a lot of people use is uh, called Caffeine. But I, I don't really like caffeine that much, to be honest, as an application. I find its simplistic interface, which is just a coffee cup, a bit confusing. I never know. I like know how it. you clarified. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I don't I, like I, caffeine as an application. Yes, yeah, um, I do like caffeine as a drug. Um, <laughs> but but the the the, the um, name of it is because it keeps your uh, Mac awake. But um, I always get confused about whether the coffee cup on your menu item is uh, meant to be having steam coming out of it or not. And and I I find it inconsistent. Um, So the one I like the most, and I'll I'll just provide links to these in the the show notes, is a, a program called Jiggler. And Jiggler is freeware as well, but it basically all it does is at set intervals that you determine, it just jiggles the um, mouse, uh, the cursor on screen. So why would you need this? Why? Why? 
I don't understand. Um, if, if you're downloading a very big file, and sometimes when I'm downloading a backup of my um, Mac site, I just find that even though I've set the um, site, I set the Mac not to go to sleep when there's network activity, sometimes I just find it, it, it says, right, I do feel like a rest, and it cuts the connection between an FTP download and things like that. But can't you set it so that it doesn't go to sleep at all? Uh, yes, but I, I don't want to have to keep... I'd, I'd much rather just start an application up on those rare occasions than constantly have my Mac set at never going to sleep or constantly having to go into the the um, mm. system preferences and making those adjustments. It's um, kind but, of weird that your machine would go to sleep because normally, like, with traffic, you're writing to a hard drive, so it should never go to sleep if it's yes. writing to a hard drive. Yeah. The the other nice thing about it, though, is you can actually make it application-specific. So you can say, look, if this application is ever ever running, um, I, I not only um, I, I want you to jiggle the mouse, um, but for all other applications, I don't care. Um, but the, the I, I found it, again, by MacBreak a long time ago that... that the, the chap um, that talks about video quite a bit on there, um, Alex Lindsay, yeah. um, said that he uses it when he's doing video rendering and things like this. The reason I like it is it's not it, – it's a very light application in terms of running it. It's not doing anything to stop it going to sleep other than just wiggling the mouse. I, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm, am I the only one – my Mac never goes to sleep. This MacBook Pro is on – Almost twenty four seven, literally, and it. I'll tell you how I, I actually dim the screen. I, fa- I finally, and I went looking for this several months ago. I wanted a screensaver that basically just blacked out the screen, like completely blacked it out. So before I go to bed, I literally uh, put my mouse in the top right hand corner, blacks the screen out, and that's it. And then I leave it running. And at one thirty in the morning, it does a super duper backup to an external drive, and then at four thirty, it does a backup to um, my iDisk, all my settings and all that kind of crap. And and that's it. And then first thing in the morning I just go jiggle the mouse, log in again and, and I'm and I'm and I'm done. So should I not See, be doing I, that? I wouldn't use a screensaver. Um, screensavers are actually bad for L C D screens. But this one just blacks the screen out. It doesn't actually there's nothing on the screen at all. It literally turns the is screen that, off. Is that within uh, the Mac preferences? Yep. Yep. Yeah, because you just go into Energy Saver and just say put the screen into sleep. Um, yeah, and I found that it was always touch and go with that because sometimes it wouldn't work, and I always thought it was a bit. It was only on this MacBook Pro. On my old MacBook, it was fine, but on this MacBook Pro, I found that sometimes that didn't work, and it just. I finally got frustrated to the point where I, I intentionally went around and spent half an hour looking for a decent screensaver that all it did was black my screen out. Why do screensavers affect LCD screens, Darren? Uh, because even when you've got like a black screen, the um, the way that the LCDs work, that to get that black screen, the the monitor is still on. So and you're so effectively it's, it's, so, so it's not so much that they damage them; it's just that it's still using the LCD. Well, dot, dots or they, with them being constantly on, you're basically reducing the life of the screen because it's just got constant power going through it all the time. Um, whereas if you've got um, the the settings to actually power the screen off after a certain amount of time, then the screen's not doing anything. There's nothing going through it. Yeah, I have I have a screensaver that kicks in after ten minutes, um, and then about another five 
Um, my screen powers down. I don't think I've got the hard drive going to sleep, but um, and then about h- half an hour after that, the, the machine just quietly goes to sleep. But um, that's simply because if I get interrupted, I'd just like it to quietly have a bit of a nap. Mm. And in all honesty, with a, um, with an LCD, the the need for a screensaver is actually gone. Um, the the reason you had a screensaver with the CRTs was because you got phosphor burn, and if you had the image static for a long time the image would slowly get burnt into the screen so even when the screen was turned off the image would still be on the on the screen mm-hmm. um, but LCDs don't suffer from that problem so they're, they're not really in, in fact it's actually quite the opposite a screensaver will um, will reduce the life of the screen on uh, an LCD um, I, I was actually quite interest, uh, interested by that and it, it's actually that's from the horse's mouth that's through the Apple training documentation they got a section on lcds and they they said basically a screensaver is not a good thing for lcds so does that apply to because i thought my screen was is it led is that what my screen is on the new macbook pros uh it's still an lcd screen the led refers to the backlighting of the screen um so instead of having a fluorescent bulb it uses a series of leds to do the light but again, when you're saying that, you're comparing it to powering the screen down. I mean, if you didn't have a screensaver and just left your screen showing whatever you're working on, that's just as bad as having a screensaver. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at my system preferences now, and my display actually goes is meant to go to sleep after an hour. Of course, I don't know that because the screensaver, screensaver, screensaver comes on, I think, after 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah, well, that that would be the problem because your screensaver is coming on before the screen actually goes to sleep. Your screensaver is actually interrupting the um, the normal process of the the shutdown. So no, this, I think, uh, I think oh. you're using a sleep corner, aren't you, David? You've um, set up. Uh, let me just see here. Now that now I'm not getting all confused. Uh, screensaver. You I can think, yeah. you can set corners. I, I've got a corner that if I want the screen to go black immediately, I just move the mouse up to and and ditto for another corner to. I get the machine to go to sleep. I've got a black, uh, basically an all-black screensaver that enacts after 30 minutes, and then after one hour, I've got my energy saver preference to turn down to, to put the display to sleep. Okay, now, so when you're going up to a certain corner, you're just activating your screensaver. Yeah, which, and I, I would think that a, a display sleeping, it shouldn't matter. It should sleep the display regardless of whether the screensaver is on or whether or not the screensaver is off. Yes, but I think what Darren's saying is that, that what you're doing first thing is actually still just having an impact on the LCD because you're just yep. running a sc- screensaver that yep. happens to be black. Yep, that's yeah, right. well, I mean, when, once the screensaver comes in um, and you leave it running, then eventually it will go to go to sleep. But yeah. um, it, it's actually one of the reasons why Windows is so really bad in terms of power management because things like virus checkers and all that will actually pull a machine out of sleep. Mm. Um and and things like that. So um, I mean, obviously, with Max not having virus checkers, or not having the real need for a virus checker, um, it's not so much of an issue. But uh, yeah, I, I would instead I would recommend, um, and, or even Apple recommends, instead of having um, a screensaver, just send the display to sleep. Yeah. Um, the other software pick is actually uh, an iPhone uh, iPhone application that I've reviewed on NZiPhone.com. <laughs> It's called Romote, or I suppose you just say Remote, but R-O-W-Mote, um, $1.29. And with it comes a piece of software that you install onto your Mac. And it's it's 
a, a more varied version of Apple's um, remote application, if you like, or keynote application. It will control front row, Boxy, your DVD player, oh, iPhoto, yeah. iTunes, Keynote 09 and 08, and so on. Now, just to explain, including Microsoft PowerPoint uh, 2008, what happens is when you install this little wee application on your Mac, it basically kind of acts like a server. And the application on the iPhone looks for any instance of this program on a Mac nearby and then gets lets you connect with it. Now, have a look at the review because um, the interface on the iPhone is incredibly simplistic, which is a real real plus, really easy to use. But at the same time, um, I found myself, I got an iPhoto slide showing uh, going and I couldn't get out of it because the, the, the uh, controls were that simplistic. The other thing to watch is... Um, when you start up the application on the Mac, it says it's now running. Um, if you want to switch it off, double-click again. But what they don't give you an option is to set a preference saying don't launch this immediately next time the Macintosh starts up. By mm. default, every time you open it up, if, you, if it isn't in there already, it goes into your startup items, which, which frustrated me. Um, I wish they'd put that in as an option. But it's for for what it was for a dollar twenty nine. It's well worth it, and um, I'm sure with a few more tweaks, uh, it will be a perfect little wee application. Mm-hmm. The thing I really liked about it, um, and I mentioned in the review, is if I want to use um, the Keynote um, app, I have to start up wireless on my Mac or on my laptop and then use the iPhone. With this, it will look on the network. So here at home, I don't have a wireless running on the iMac, but the router that's sitting on the floor next to it does have wireless. So the iPhone picked up the router, then found the iMac on the network and said, okay, I found an instance of the remote helper, so should I use this Mac? Wow. So so that was really cool. And... um, yeah, have a look at the review because you'll see how beautifully simplistic the um, interface is. But as I, I mentioned in it, I think it still needs a few tweaks, but I'm sure they'll do that soon anyway. Yeah, hmm. I've been using one called JF Control. Um, it, it's more expensive. I mean, it's around about five times the price, but um, it, it's a little bit more in-depth. Um, it does basically... Uh, what are the applications it does? iTunes, Front Row, DVD, Finder, Keynote, and ITV. Um, same principle. You have a, um, a application that runs on the Mac, and then the um, the software hooks into that and controls it. And um, it, it, it's quite good. I mean, the the layout's not quite as nice as the other one, but it's it's a lot more um, functional than than the other one. Yeah, I noticed like a pro version. ITV is listed, Darren, but they say it's a work in progress. Currently, can only change channels and adjust the volume. Yeah, um, this one will go into all the menus and allow you to record and all that sort of thing. So, Hmm. yeah, there's a few apps like that out there. Mm. Sorry, Darren, what are your picks? Okay, um, as I mentioned earlier, I've been playing Remote uh, Red Alert Three. Uh, fantastic game. It basically, for those that don't know, you've probably heard of a title called Command and Conquer. It's a real-time strategy game. Um, so you build up forces and go out and try and take down the enemy. Um, 
Red Alert, his, I think the last outing of Red Alert on the Mac was, uh, it'd be OS 9 days, I would say. Um, so it's mm. been a wee while away from, from the Mac platform. Um, it It's basically the Windows version of the game, um, but it's all wrapped up in cider, which is um, basically a gaming version of, uh, of Wine, which allows you to run Windows applications without Windows installed. Um, and runs pretty good. There's there's a couple of times where it sort of gets a little bit jerky, um, but uh, for the most part, it, it's pretty up there in, in terms of um, speed and all that. There's not too much difference to playing it on the PC. Um, the one thing that is quite interesting about it is it's actually, at the moment... Um, it's only a download version, um, so you pay your. Uh, I think I think it was forty dollars US, and then you have to actually download the application um, as opposed to running a C, a, a DVD. Um, so you're looking at a six and a half gig download. Um, so you might want Jeez. to get someone else to download it, use their bandwidth, um, <laughs> and then they basically just enter in your license code and and, and you're good to go so um, there should be no issue with someone else downloading it and you just entering your code so um, someone's going to ask you at work um, why you suddenly seem to have downloaded a large file is that right or? they don't know it's my machine oh, <laughs> really but I did I did do it at work um, uh, it's interesting because Prince of Persia I noticed has come out and I think that's an 8 gig download yeah Jesus yeah that, but, I mean to be honest I, I think um, mainstream gaming is a bit of a have, um, to be honest. It's just I've always liked the um, Command and Conquer series, um, but it, it's quite cool because it introduced like traditionally, really, it's only been like the Allies versus the Soviet Union, and it's always been that sort of. Um, scenario, but now uh, with Red Alert 3, they've thrown in the Japanese who have sort of um, the story goes that um, Soviet Union has sort of been playing around with time and um, you know, sort of tr- build, um, advancing their technology and all that uh, uh, well and truly above the, the Allies and all that. But in Red Alert 3, what happened is they went back in time, killed Einstein to stop the Americans from developing, like, all these super weapons that was sort of turning the tide. But in the meantime, what happened is no one had been concentrating on Japan. And so Japan built their forces and all that. So um, so it throws in another um, sort of... Uh, another way of playing it and all that which it's it's quite cool the japanese have got some pretty cool stuff <laughs> as you could imagine coming from the japanese um but yeah it, it's it's quite good it plays a lot better when you're not using the disc um to be honest i haven't even really seen any reason why you know when you're dumping six gig off a dvd why you still have to have the disc in the drive anyway so mm. um but that, that's not an issue with uh relit three um my other pick, um, they're kind of very similar, but one, uh, the Mac version that I've been playing is a little game called Ear Control. Um, hang on, what's it called? Uh, Airport Mania. And basically, it's a little cutesy sort of a puzzle game where you've got to try and land planes and fill them up and set them off on runways and, um, and all that sort of thing. And that, it's, you know, $10 US um, download 
um, from Big Fish Games, and um, yeah, it, it's just a neat little game. You know, I back on the day on on the Amiga, I used to have a um, full on, absolutely full blown air traffic control simulator um, made by a company called Micropros, who were big on simulations, and that was just absolutely insane. You know, you had to try and land planes, alter their altitude, alter their headings, get them off to the right cities, and all that sort of thing. So this is a little bit more basic, wow. um, but it's still quite quite fun. And the other one is actually an iPhone game called um, what's it called? Flight Control. And same sort of deal. you got to land uh, but this one here you only land airplanes. Um, but that, that's um, sort of more than enough. I can't seem to break the 60, um, 60 planes mark before I've crashed a couple of planes into each other. I saw, uh, the, um, I saw the iPod game um, on, on a website, Darren, and it looked, the video looked pretty cool because they did a review of it. And um, I took one look at it and thought, I can't buy that because I'm still, still going through sheepish at the moment and I, I need to stop. Playing these games that are so obsessive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is insane, man. I, whenever I get a chance, I'll be playing Flight Control. It's such a, a fun little game. So simple, so easy to, to, to play. Basically, you just click on a plane, draw a path to the runway, and, and make sure that it goes to the right runway sort of thing. So helicopters go to the helipad, small planes go to the small runway, and the larger planes go to the large one. But, you know, you got... Um, in terms of the large planes, you got medium planes and big planes, and the big planes are the faster ones, so you've got to try and route them around all the slow ones. Um, and it just gets insane. By the time you get to like 30 or 40 um, planes to land, it's just there's planes left, right, and centre, and you can see why all the flight controllers go mad. You know, it's <laughs> it's it's not the sort of job that you want to be if, if you're really stressed easy. Yeah. Um, and I, I of just... course, oh, sorry. No, carry on. Oh, and the, and the last one um, I just wanted to throw in was um, ID Software managed to port in seven days the original version of Wolfenstein 3D, Castle Wolfenstein. Wow. Um, so it's the exact game that used to be out on the PC um, just with iPod controls and it. Simple, simple controls. Um, you can either use the accelerometer or um, I, I just use the on-screen little joystick thingy that it has, and um, that plays real well. Um, and, yeah, it's just absolutely faithful. Seven days it took them to port it. It was so. on the Mac as well. I used to play it on the Mac years ago. Did they? Yeah, it came it? out on a floppy disk, believe it or not. Oh, yeah, what? I could believe, yeah. I could believe that. <laughs> when are they going to yeah. do Duke Nukem? Oh, I, I, I'm thinking they're still waiting on Duke Nukem to come out on the PC. <laughs> the, the really interesting thing about Castle Wolfenstein is it's actually the source code has been released as open source, and mm. there is there is actually nothing to stop anyone else getting that code and 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 releasing the app for free on the iPhone store. It just hasn't happened yet. Yeah, I, um, I think that's a cool cool idea. I mean, ID has sort of always done that. Um, they've released the source code of all their old games and all that so that people can go out and make their own and, and port them to various platforms and things like that um, you know shortly after they've just released the new version of a of a game sort of thing so um, yeah it, it it's quite cool what's out there um, 
There yes. is an exceptionally good article by, I'm just reading it in, in NetNewsWire from the chap that runs ID Software and um, talks about releasing that application. And he goes into the quite a lengthy detail uh, which developers might be interested in um, related to why they decided to give that a go um, to start off with. So I'll put that into the show notes as well. That's kind of neat, actually. Hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I just want to preface this by saying I am not on commission, but I mentioned Sheepish, and I got an email from the developers that are here in Palmerston North, and they mentioned that uh, Sheepish Lite, a free version, is now available on iTunes. So if you want to um, find out what's taking up um, every waking hour when I've got a spare moment, um, it's a very neat little wee game, and there's now a free version that you can download and play. Wow. Cool. I've, yeah, I've played with Sheepish because after your recommendation the last time, Phil, and yeah, I think I stopped after, I can't remember what level. It wasn't nearly as high as you got, but I just got, I couldn't do it. <laughs> what I've discovered is, because I hadn't really paid attention to the fact that you get a medal depending on for each level based on how long you take, and it's quite important that you go very quickly because as the levels get more difficult, you get less time. So you have to kind of build up the amount of time that you've got owing. Oh. So, so you actually have to go back and redo levels exceptionally fast and try and get a gold so that as you're near the end... You've um, got a lot of time. You've got a lot of time. That's a neat, it's a neat little game, though. It really is. Yes, and I've made some nice tweaks so that you don't have to keep going back to the map and stuff every time. So oh, That's um, good, yeah. yeah. How about you, Dave? What are, what are your picks? I've got two. Um one is it might be a little it might be a little kind of inside baseball or specific for some people, but uh, because I do a lot of teaching at the university and I teach a bit of economics, one of the things I've always been looking at doing, and in fact, some of the writing that I do as an academic, I always have to kind of include graphs and you know simple supply demand kind of graphs, and 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 I've always been looking for a good way of drawing those because they're not exactly easy to draw when you use something like Adobe Illustrator, even though. Illustrator is pretty powerful. It's a bit overkill when you're doing something really simple. But about a year and a half ago, I found a piece of software called Graph Sketcher by an outfit called Robin Stewart Software. Now, recently, this fellow, Robin Stewart, went to work for Omni Group. And these are the same guys that do OmniWeb, OmniDazzle, OmniDictionary, OmniFocus, all that kind of thing. And it's now called Omni Graph Sketcher. And basically, what it allows you to do is that you can draw these kinds of economic graphs, you can input data and it'll plot, you know, kind of, uh, um, you know, time series graphs and charts and they look phenomenal. And the, the amount of editing capability and power that you have with this is, is astounding. You can put a nice gentle curve, for example, on a supply demand curve that you draw. So, you know, if you want to look at average total costs and, you know, dip that down a little bit as you do in a lot of economic graphs, it's just, it's, it's tremendous. And, you can do all kinds of really nice shadings with it. And the really powerful thing is is that you can export it um, uh, very simply into almost anything. So it's just a, a matter of, you know, there's a one button that you just copy his image and then it integrates with uh, almost anything that you want. And I've used this for, like I say, about a year, year and a half. And this new version has a few nicer new features to it now that Robin has gone to work for the Omni Group. And um, uh, it, it's it's just a phenomenal piece of piece of software that I think a lot of businesses I can see using. I mean, it might not be for the home user, but if your if your job your day job kind of involves you know plotting these things kind of uh, in a graphical format, 
then have a look at it. If you just go to omnigroup.com, and you'll see it there on the left-hand menu, Omnigraph Sketcher. And right now, it is in beta 2. In fact, uh, I downloaded just beta 2 tonight, and I've been using beta 1, and it's very stable. And one license will cost you uh, $29.95 U.S., and, oh, and educational and family discounts, I note as well. So um, yep, they're available. Yep, for those who qualify. And if if you if you were like me and you had the original version of Graph Sketcher, uh, I I found out about Omni Graph Sketcher when I got an email in my inbox last week saying it's now Omni Graph Sketcher and you've got a free license for it because you bought the original version. I mean, this is so, tremendous. So was that when Beta 1 came out? I mean, how quickly are they bringing these betas out? Yeah, Beta 1 was within the last two weeks, easily. Yep. Okay, that's quite impressive then. So they brought out an, another version already. Yeah, um, very, very impressive. Yeah, so I was, I love it. I actually, I absolutely, it's one of my favorite applications for the Mac because I love doing those kinds of, you know, graphs and showing the impact of, a, of emissions tax and if, you know, a certain degree of... Uh, elasticity in the market for a particular product. I just I love that kind of stuff and I love doing those kind of graphs and this makes it really easy and a lot of fun actually. My other pick is a podcast and it actually relates to what you were talking about earlier Phil, backups and it's called uh, Managing Your Digital Life and the hosts are Andy Anatko and Scott Bourne. And the very first episode was just posted yesterday, April 1st. And it's uh, the first it, the, the idea of the podcast as I understand it, and I haven't listened to it yet. Um, did you guys hear the firecrackers? That bunch of kids are setting off firecrackers outside. No. Um, the, the very first episode is what is a backup anyway, and that's what it's called. And I think the idea of the podcast is that they want to talk about storage. They want to talk about ways that you manage your digital life and all of the, the things that we have, photographs, music, documents, all this data that's personal and very, you know, very valuable and treasured. And I'm looking forward to it. As I say, I haven't listened to it, but I got excited because I actually like Andy Anatko and I like Scott. I like what, when they talk about these kinds of things. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really kind of excited about this podcast. In fact, I'm actually going to try to get Andy on this podcast. Go for it. <laughs> Can you imagine? I, I, That'd be tremendous. I did email him once after being at a presentation he gave, but I never got a response. It would be very tremendous. Do you think he, so, oh, I wonder if he gets so much email that he might not come on. I'm, I, I think they probably would, but um, I, mm. I, I can't speak on behalf of them, but I think they would get a lot of people asking them to be on podcasts. Yeah, but that, that, that does sound good. The interesting thing about it is that Scott Bourne wasn't on MacBreak Weekly this week, mm. and the reason being is that his website has had quite a horrific DNS um, attack, a den denial-of-service attack. Yeah, I heard that. Um, and uh, my heart goes out to him because that's what nzmac.com <laughs> experienced about 18 months ago for no apparent reason. Oh, um, um, and it's not a nice experience to deal with. But um, in my did... ignorance, who is Andy Anatko? I keep hearing the name. I just don't know he, who he is. He is a very well-known um, Mac. Uh, he writes for the Chicago Sun Times, yep. is it? Yeah, And right. uh, he um, is fairly well-known for his uh, sideburns and his cowboy hat. Mm. And I didn't. I have to confess. I mean, I knew of him, and he writes some tremendous books about using things like the iPod. He, he's he's a well-known author. Uh, but the thing that really impressed me, uh, just to give you some background, really quickly, I got some funding related to e-learning, and I got to go to a conference uh, in a very very big hotel in uh, Santa Clara in the states. And there were two things happening while I was at this conference. One was uh, the 
U2 iPod was launched literally uh, 15 minutes drive away. Wow. Um, but I couldn't go to that because I had to do a report on all the things I'd gone to at the conference. And then also O'Reilly were doing a Mac OS X conference in the same building. So this was when uh, Mac, were, uh, Mac Guide, New Zealand Mac Guide existed, and we emailed them and said, look, I can't come to the conference, but is there any chance I could just see the keynote that Andy gave one night? And it was superb because he um, he really thinks things through in terms of – I mean, he's got a lot of inside mm. uh, contacts in Apple, but he talked a lot about iTunes. And at that stage, iTunes didn't do video, but they had strangely released a keynote video in oh, iTunes. really? And he just stood there and basically said, why do you think they're doing that? If they want to test how iTunes handles video, wouldn't this be a good way to do it? And mm. basically he was saying, these guys are about to do video and they're using us all to test that. And sure <laughs> enough, you know, a couple of months later, that's what came out. But mm. the other thing that amazed me, um, he created his own iTunes application and skinned it. Uh, with wood grain paneling and all this sort of stuff. I mean, it was just hilarious. Jeez. And, um, you know, you go to some of these presentations and you know people are being paid a lot of money to give them and you think they haven't really put a great deal into it. He he was so well prepared. It flowed together. He'd put so much effort into, effort into it. It was just brilliant. Yeah, Absolutely. I've, heard, I've heard his presentations. They're pretty amazing. So we're going to try to get him on the pod. Andy, if you're listening, give me a call, bud. Give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we've got because we got a bit more um, exposure now. We might be able to get them on. That's right. We're in the top forty, man. We're in the top forty <laughs> in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's actually. I mean, that, that might that might actually get them on because it's not your average podcast by a couple of sixteen-year-old kids, you know, in Chicago. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, that's fine. But it's you know, we're 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 out of New Zealand. So. I think we just have to say, yeah, sure, we'll get up at three o'clock in the morning. Not you, not you, to talk to us. Oh, actually, I hadn't thought of that. We're yes. g- we're going to have to do that, aren't we? Yes, I I'm dedicated. I'm there. I'm in for the cause. <laughs> I'm in for the cause. But okay, gents, I guess that pretty much wraps us up. In us, uh, anything else? Any final thoughts? Concluding thoughts? Nope. No. Um, I was just thinking just now. One game I'd like to see on the iPhone would be Cannon Fodder. What's that? Um, oh, it was a great classic Amiga game. Um, basically, it was all cartoony. Um, it was built by... Uh, um, who made it? I can't even remember who made it. Um, I think it might have even been Team 17. Um, but it, basically, it was just a, a real cartoony um, sort of war game. They actually did a spin-off of it called Sensible World of Soccer, which was probably the best soccer game ever made um it was just so easy to play and all that but um it was just fun you know it was it was just no one took it seriously but it ended up being like a cult classic and yeah i was just thinking there's a lot of old games that would be so cool to see them on the iphone so well the the interesting thing is i i um read touch arcade which is a superb iphone game site every day and there Mm. was an article posted today to say that um Within the next few days, we should see Gallagher Remix, uh, which is a oh, version of the of mm. the Gallagher game uh, available, and um, that's from Namco, the original company. So, I mean, one of the really neat things is some of these retro games are coming back to the the phone. Do you guys mm. remember Dragon's Lair and Space Ace? 
There were yes. the, yeah, I was the, I was the first kid in my local arcade to finish them both. Yeah, Dragons of Space Ace, you know, and Dirk the guy, the Dirk dragon, the Dirk guy, and he's um, that's just a tremendous game. There, there is actually speaking of that, there is an iPhone game um, bought out by Don Bluth, um, who did. Um, yes, you're uh, right. Yeah, really. Um, I can't yep. remember what it is, but apparently it's a tie-in to the movie. I, I think it um, ties in more with the story of the movie, but it's a separate um, storyline in its own right sort of thing. Wow. But um, it's all done by um, like the animation of Don Bluth. I, I mean, for those of you uh, who don't know Don Bluth, um, you might have seen a few movies that he's done. Um, one of them was the American Tale series. Um, just trying to think of what other ones he done, but um, it's just kind of like classic, but more detailed versions of um, old school um, Disney, Walt Disney sort of thing. And he, he's just, an ex ex Disney cartooner as well, I think, yeah. isn't he? Oh, was he? he? Went, oh, yeah, yeah, went off and did his own thing. Yeah. Um, the iPhone application has the wonderful name of Don Bluth's Banjo the Woodpile Cat Adventure Game. What? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, and it, it's just the old school <laughs> classic Don Bluth style. It, it's such a nice looking game. How much and is it, Phil? Uh, this is uh, US, so two dollars. So what? Um, I'm, I haven't, not, I haven't got iTunes running. I'm afraid. Yeah, neither do I. I'm gonna, go, I'm just writing it down. Don Bluth. Don Bluth's Banjo the Woodpile Cat Adventure Game, and we'll two dollars fifty nine. Free. There you go. So we'll cheap, look, it's free. We'll look yeah. forward to a review from David. <laughs> I'm going to have to go download that now. Spending more money on this thing. Man, it looks beautiful. <laughs> Excellent, gents. Thanks very much for everyone uh, to everyone for listening. Um, NZMac.com is the site. Go there. Uh, join in on the forums. Actually, quite a bit of activity uh, last couple of weeks in the forums, which is good to see. And join in on the community if you want. Get involved there. And we're always looking for people to join us here on the podcast. So, um yeah, don't be shy. Definitely, uh, definitely jump in. So, thanks, Phil. Thanks, uh, Darren. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. And we'll uh, see you all soon. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest presenter and do not necessarily represent those of NZMAC.com.